Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, the most unfiltered edition of the Unfiltereds ever be unfiltered, starring the villain, Trey Wilson. I don't know where my camera is. There you go. Well, this is, while we're doing this over Zoom and we see each other, the listeners aren't going to see us. Oh, thank God. I didn't do my hair. Well, I'm just wearing, you know, a bathrobe, so... It's best we don't. I'm not wearing anything on the waist down. That's nothing really different from the usual. No, no. I, I, I just thought that was a prerequisite for Zoom. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't have to let people know how obviously cold it is there. It's not cold. Oh, sorry. Ah, whatever. Sorry, Tina. It is what it is. <laughs> Uh, so in, uh, we're going to do this show in a couple of segments. Uh, Matt Smith is working. He is, uh, or so he says, I don't know. He's air force. So it's just any single. So he might just have all the ladies from Tinder lined up or Bumble or, uh, grinder is grinder a thing. I guess. That's, is that more a Navy thing or is that air force? I think air force does anything. Mm. Pretty sure they're non-binary. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. He's no, he's no first class sailor or anything, but no, he's not even a third class sailor (laughs) or a master sailor. Just doesn't, he'll never get the chance to be a master seaman like you and I were. That's right. Yeah. See, master sailor doesn't have the same girth to master seaman. No, no. Or with that's well, yeah. And, And, I was there for a long time. You were the master of the master seaman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just petty. Now you're just a petty officer. Uh, yeah. But I'm a first class. 
It's all about class. Pretty soon someone will get offended about that and we'll have to change the name Petty. Well, I would be overly petty about changing it. (laughs) We'll be like Master Warrant Sea Sergeants or something. I don't know. (laughs) Sea Warrant. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as we kind of ramble on about military stuff that most people don't understand, uh, we'll just jump into what we're going to talk about in this segment. And that's the first part is, is Cole Caulfield and where he's going to play, what's going to happen. Uh, get us going, get us started. All right. So I did a poll on Twitter and over about around 280 votes went through over the, for the 24 hours. And uh, I had Laval, the OHL, which would be Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. And uh, Laval, Sault Ste. Marie, um, Montreal or other. Um, 73% of the people who voted of the 280 voted said Laval Um, to me at this point in his career that probably makes the most sense Uh, I think that's where Caulfield wants to be I think as we all know when he got drafted he wanted to be in Montreal as soon as possible he was willing to sign on the dotted line I think the day he got uh, he got drafted um so I think Laval would be good for him. I, I wouldn't be against uh, the Sioux. I wouldn't be against that. Uh, some people uh, would argue, and they have a valid argument, that this, uh, the OHL would be a step down from the NCAA. Uh, well. It, it, it yeah. depends on how you look at it. Yeah. I, was, I was the same as you. I was like, no, uh, I think the CHL is a better league. However, when I did my research and I, I, I went about it, they're, they're kind of right. It's a more pol- the NCAA is more polished. It's more of a defensive shutdown style of play that the NHL can play. It's more of a, a, a mature league uh, where the CHL is more of an offensive league. It's more of a, you know, let the young stars shine and all that kind of stuff. And I could see where people would see, is he going to get any value out of playing in the CHL, especially if he's, become so do- as dominant as he was in the NCAA? Well, the OHL, uh, well, it's CHL as a whole, but in the OHL in specific, um, yeah, the, the players are younger, but there's a, a much higher talent level. Correct. Uh, that, that was uh, my and, argument. Yeah. And while the NCAA does have uh, better systems overall, they're filled with players that would, you know, most of them are going to end up if they're if they play pro at all, end up playing in Europe. There's going to be a few NHLers, AHLers, ECHLers. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some there's quite a bit of value to playing there, but the biggest difference is the, uh, the scheduling. So they play a couple of games on a weekend and then they get the week off to study. Whereas in the OHL and the CHL as a whole, they play four or five games a week sometimes they, they there's travel um, practice every day. So it's, it's a pro schedule. So it's more, yeah, there's some, there, the skill levels are, you can argue are about equal and the systems you can maybe make an argument that they're about equal, but it's that, that pro stock pro level uh, scheduling that it, it, the rigors of playing at that often prepping your body to play that often, how to train all of it. That's, that's the, the advantage. Whereas in the NCAA, because he's smaller, he has more time to train to build up mm. and practice. So he can practice his skills a little bit more. 
uh, it's more acts towards uh, skill development versus system development in the NCAA. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, in the end, most of the people want to see him in Laval. I'm not against him going in and playing for Joel Bouchard. Uh, I, I can see an issue with Laval or being AHL is filled with a lot of guys who know they're never going to make the NHL. And unless Caulfield's protected, there is a higher risk of him getting hurt by a goon. Yeah. There are goons in the AHL who don't give a shit. You know, they're just, yeah. they don't want you scoring. So they're going to go out and do whatever it takes for them not to have you because they don't care. Some six foot six, 33 year old cross checks right. him in the back. And if you look at the Laval roster, maybe Pizzetta is probably the biggest tough guy they have. Well, they've got a few others that are on AHL deals. So you maybe. Know, Marsh is gone now. Uh, I mean, they have some big guys, but are they the guys that, do they have guys to protect them? That, I guess that's the biggest worry. Uh, but, I mean, that can happen anywhere. The OHL is full of goons that are only yep. there. If I, I can't make it on my scoring skill, but I can sure as hell drop the gloves. <laughs> and you still didn't make it. No, no, but I could, I could take a punch like nobody's business. That's what I was going to say. You could drop the gloves. You didn't last long, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. No. Self-pity. Ah, you weren't even wearing a glove for that one. Anyway. <laughs> but. Uh... I still cut my gloves up the sides so I can drop them quicker. <laughs> But that's more so I can get the beer after the game. Well, I was going to say, uh, who are you going to fight? Pudsey? <laughs> He's too busy crying and digging pucks out of the back of his net. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't care where he goes, Laval or the OHL, as long as he plays. That, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, if he's ready for Laval, sure. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, if the, the management and everyone deems, yeah, he can, he can do all right in our league, sure. I don't see him in Montreal at all, even if he is in Laval, unless no. the end of the season or ravaged by injuries or something, or he's just so dominant in Laval, you can't help but move him up, which, again, I don't – you never know. I don't see it, not this year. Um, I just want him somewhere where he's going to progressively get better at all facets of his game. And because, uh, uh, like I said, I'm a big proponent. If he dominates at this level, then he deserves a call up to this level. And he did, in all, for all intents and purposes, dominate at the NCAA level, winning, a, winning the scoring title, winning the rookie, rookie of the year title. He was a point-per-game guy as yeah. a freshman. And uh, he played on what, should have been a good Wisconsin team, but ended up being a weak Wisconsin team. And he so. had some hard times at the World Juniors, but I think that had more to do with the coaching than anything else. Agreed, and that's why the coach was fired, and USA only won like two games the entire freaking tournament or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he played his favorites, and his favorites just didn't produce. And Caulfield, who's an offensive player, played on a defensive line. So. Yeah, great coaching. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, he played with Turcotte all year. Let's not put him with Turcotte in the World Junior because that doesn't make any sense. Except for that one play, uh, that one power play in the in a quarterfinal game when he actually scored. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, the two of them fed off each other. And again, Wisconsin, even if they do play, Caulfield by himself, basically. Yeah. Uh, I 
personally, if football's canceled, I don't see hockey. Well, there's already talk now. We've talked about this on Twitter, and I think yeah. we talked about it last week on the show where the NCAA is now deciding whether or not to let players go play in junior. And there's some argument over, yeah, they say junior, but what level junior? So yeah. maybe yeah. the CHL is open to that. I don't know. Um, normally, I would say no because uh, it's deemed professional. But um, Well, the NCAA also changed the rules where I think they're allowing players to be more involved professionally. There's a thing in with the universities now. It's more geared for football yeah. uh, to, to allow players to make money or, you know. On their anyway. likeness. Yeah, I, I, yeah. you know, for instance, if you play an NHL game, you don't have any college kids. There's no NCAA guys on it. No. So if you play a football game and you go into the minors, there's no college kids, and football gets all their players from college. So I think it's one of those things. However, you know, there's still restrictions with teams giving them signing the pro contracts and that, but they'll be allowed to be, you know, make money off games and having their, their image put wherever, so. So maybe just because of this uh, pandemic, maybe if they decide to cancel a season and allow players to go play junior while keeping their scholarships, they'll allow players to go play in the CHL. Maybe. They it's could, not but I, I don't see, like we talked earlier about the, the, the rigors of the schedule and that. It's going to be hard for them to keep up with their studies in the OHL. I mean, and I'm one who truly believes Caulfield's out of university as soon as Montreal says, here's your entry-level con. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think he's, I'm going to the NHL. I'm going to make my money in the NHL. I'm not too worried about school. You know what I mean? Like I'm out well, as soon as I can. Like most guys who sign uh, after a year or two of NCAA, he'll go to school in the summer times while yes. he's training. Yeah. So yeah. he's and, still going to uh, finish his degree, but he's yeah. just, he, he's yeah. focused on hockey, not on his degree right now. And he'll, he'll go finish that later. And that's fine. That's, that's what he, I, I like the spirit of the kid. Uh, I like the the fact that he watched the playoffs not only for just watch Montreal how good they were, but to see how they played, how they set up their lines, what they you know what I mean. Uh, I thought that was very smart of him, very mature of him, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where he fits in. I think if he goes to the OHL, I think he'll be he'll do just fine. I think he'll be yeah. one of the top players. Laval, I would like to see him be one of the top players. If he is, then. There's an argument he can be in Montreal maybe sometime during the season, maybe, for a nine-game stint. Who knows? Now, I, I would be leaning towards him playing in the OHL versus Laval for a couple of reasons. One, what we mentioned before with the goons and whatnot. And two, before the pandemic struck, the team didn't want to sign him and bring him into the pro ranks. So they felt that he was better served to stay in the NCAA because he wasn't quite ready for the AHL. Right. Yep. So I would I would lean towards him saying, well, all right, he needs a place to stay, a place to play, and uh, the OHL is probably the better route as opposed to moving back down to the USHL. So yeah, sure, sign him, let him play in the OHL. His contract slides a year, which doesn't mean he's not exempt from the expansion draft. Some people on Twitter may have been confused. You need two full seasons as a professional. Doesn't matter how many years you were signed because the, sl the slide pushes your ELC over. And that's two years of 10 games or more at either the AHL or NHL level. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think he would play in the OHL if he were to sign. I could see him maybe get nine games somewhere. Maybe. 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 It all depends on if these seasons happen because right now we just don't know if yeah. like the queue and is opened are, up. And how are they going to happen? Uh, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, now they're talking, well, we'll have bubbles by comp or by division. Okay, fine and dandy. But how does that work for call-ups? You yeah. get a guy injured, you got to call a guy up. Now, does he have to wait two weeks to uh, – play for the team or four consecutive days of being COVID free before he can practice with the team or the NHL is going to be able to expand their rosters to like 30 players. And then how does that hurt the development of the players that they bring into their black aces? I guess we can call them for the season because if you're just practicing all year, you're missing out on game time in minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, if they do the bubble thing, the NA at the NHL level with uh, four different bubbles for divisions, Hmm. um, I think expanding the uh, the rosters would work. And what I believe teams are going to end up doing is just signing some older players who they don't, they don't care if they develop or not. They're, they're there, they're ready to be used. And their younger guys will just be left in the AHL to, to, to develop there all year long. They won't worry about calling them up or uh, injuries happen. Well then, you know, if they lose six, seven, eight guys to injury, <laughs> then they got to start looking at it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's the route I think they're going to take. They're just going to kind of segregate the two, the two groups. And this may be the last year for a bunch of, bunch of aging veterans to get one year deals. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just, inter- it'll be interesting. The NHL is not slated to start until December 1st. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the OHL is starting around the same time. The Q yeah. is starting now. They've already started their preseason. Yeah, Moosehead look, uh, the Mooseheads look great. They do look great. They just destroyed Cape Breton 7-2. to Yeah. Suck at Cape Breton. <laughs> They're not the screaming eagles anymore. They're just the eagles. They're just screaming. And now, now after last night, they're the crying eagles. That's right. That screaming is them wailing in pain because <laughs> they got stepped on by a moose. It's only, it's only preseason, uh, Blaine. It's only preseason. Uh, I just... Just wanted to chuck shit at uh, at Cape Breton. <laughs> we love all our Hab listeners in Cape Breton. We do, but we just we just don't like Cape Breton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I've lived in uh, I've lived in this province now uh, a grand total of eighteen years, on and off, and I have not once set foot on Cape Breton Island. That's uh, that's that's pretty sad, actually. I, I like Cape Breton personally. I like it's a beautiful country up there. Love Cape Breton. I've sailed past it. I've sailed through the locks. Some good, some good golf links. They look nice from the distance. Nice mountains. <laughs> yeah, there's okay. a there's a causeway. I'm like, oh look, a causeway. But that's that's as close as I get. I have never t- uh, to this day mm. set foot there. Well, you you got to you got to take the Cabot Trail someday, Blaine. I've been told. Yeah, take the cow. I've been I've lived here all my life. Was born here, and I only went to Peggy Co- Peggy's Cove for the first time this year. So it's literally right up, like a five ten minute drive from my house. A lighthouse is a lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I drive I'm past sorry. lighthouses all the time to my in laws. All it does is just I count the lighthouses until I get there. I'm like, oh god. I'm sorry, oh, but five more. Oh god, people who more. love Nova Scotia, like, oh my god, I gotta go to Peggy's Cove. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. 
It's beautiful, sure, but when you live here, you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> stay off the stay off the black rocks. Uh, okay. Some Hab fans, you can go to the Black Rocks. I'm okay with that. But yeah, <laughs> that's where you get staff. swept out to sea, folks. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna find the diamonds lost in the Swiss air accident. You're, it's, they're not there. No, nope, they're gone. The VDQ found those, and they've been distributed accordingly. <laughs> Shh! Don't tell people that. They'll think we're rich. And uh, we're definitely not. If we had lots of money, do you think we'd be doing this? It would be more professional if we were doing See? it. See? Right there. Proof. Proof positive that we're <laughs> poor and dumb. <laughs> and besides, Matt, not very good looking. That's exactly. So all hate mail can be posted to Treg Wilson at HabsUnfiltered. Dot CA dot GC dot CO. <laughs> dot whatever. Um. So we'll just segue from chucking shit at uh, Cape Breton Island, which I'm sure is a beautiful place. And the people there are lovely. It is beautiful. To uh, chucking shit at something else. Max Domi. Wow. Yeah, sort of. Lots of people are chucking shit at Max Domi. And they're the same people (laughs) that after Domi scored 72 points last year, argued that he's the number one center we haven't had a center score 70 points look at max domi as a great center when people like me the villain was saying max domi's not a center he's a winger he should play if he wants top six minutes he's going to have to play wing and everyone's like you're an idiot you know but true right i mean yes i am an idiot but that's not why uh one of them is because i know blaine um that valid yeah and I, I said, I said, he's not a center. And I said, he's not even, I don't, I, we talked on our show. I don't think Domi's a 70 point player. He's more of a 55 to 65, 60, around 55, 60 point player. Um, if you look at his average, even with the 72 points, he's only a 50 point player. If you look at his season averages. If well, you if you count this effect. year and uh, as, you know, a kind of a shortened one, he was on pace for over 50. Correct. He's a 50-point oh. guy. End of conversation. In my and mind. We, did and say, we did say that he's, he could be a fill-in at center, but he's not a, yes. a full-time. He'd be almost a perfect winger for Kotkinami if he struggles on the dot. Well, you look at the, uh, the possession numbers and the advanced stats on the line for uh, Kotkinami, Drouin, and Domi, that line was, was clicking. They only played about a period and a half worth of hockey. But they had uh, an 85 or 90% p- uh, possession rate. Uh, they generated, uh, I think it was, it was 20 shots or 22 shots towards the net in just, under a, just over a period. That, that's insane. That's, that's crazy numbers. So, yeah, he would be a great fit. But he just doesn't seem to want to play at the wing. No. <clears throat> even, even the team is saying that he's a center. But that could be that. I think that's more of a marketing. Uh, I'm. I don't think the team. See them saying he's a sender is either going to hurt them or help them. If they want to get rid of him, it's going to help them because they can get more back. Saying, "Well, he's a center. If you want a center, we're going to have to up the ante." If they want to resign him, saying he's a center is giving fuel for his new agent uh, to. Uh, Say, well, you guys see him as a center. Everyone else sees him as a center. But then Montreal has a little thing in his pocket, and they can look at them and say, 
well, sure, he can sign here as a center, but he's going to sign here as a fourth line center, and we're going to pay him as a fourth line center. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, <clears throat> so clearly, a, Domi, Domi yeah. wants to make max, uh, max dollars. Correct. Max wants max dollars. Which I don't blame him. I no. don't blame him. So why, but why would he fire his former agent, Pat Brisson, to hire this new agent to get max dollars? Well, Pat Brisson is best friends with Mark Bergevin. That is true. So is that why he fired him? Or does he just, does he just want to create a new, a, a new dynamic so he can go for that money? It's probably a new dynamic. I, I don't think agents put anything, uh, friendship with a GM into consideration when they're doing a, a because if they, if they plead for a lower contract, they get paid less. Yeah. I exactly. mean, if, if you were a GM and I was an agent, even though you and I are friends, I'm still going to try to get my guy top dollar because that means I'm going to get top dollar. But, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that some people have that point of view that while they're friends, maybe he's not, maybe he's Alan Eagling me, Alan Eagleson me. Well, it it's, could be just like uh, Max Pacioretty did the same thing with Bryson. Yeah, yeah, he did, but I. But Max Pacioretty, yeah. I think, knew he was on his way out the door anyway. So. Well, of course, because he asked many times, yeah. "Send me the frig out the door." Yeah. So. And he was out the door at one point at the draft in L.A. To L.A. and he nixed it because he didn't want to re- he didn't want to sign a deal with L.A. Yeah, he, we. I think we we saw the exact moment that he said yeah. no because uh, Bergevin threw something across the table. And then just yeah. smashed his phone down. After we seen him in a big long conversation with uh, Max's agent sitting in the stands yeah. across from us. Yeah. So. And then he went over to Alan Walsh, and surprisingly, he walked away from that twenty-minute conversation without a sword in his back. <laughs> Alan Walsh didn't have a black eye. It was weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although Bergevin was seen drinking at the bar that night and was very quiet. And when I came in and said, Marco, he kind of took off. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. He just said polo and ran. <laughs> Never seen that man run so fast. Someone said he had bad knees. It's not true. <laughs> no, no. I, his feet barely touched the ground. <laughs> good thing. But, old Gee, good thing. Gee was there. That's right. Point two was a good time. <laughs> don't want to speak out of turn though. So uh, back to the, the, thing at hand and that's uh, Domi and his agent so yeah he wants he wants his full amount maybe he saw Brisson as someone who wasn't going to do it for him he was a little bit uh, concerned about the friendship so maybe that's why he fired him so let's just imagine that this one percent chance that that is true is true it doesn't matter no matter because at the end of the day even if he thought that he is still an RFA. The Canadians still own his rights for two years. He's still on the hook. So, but that the team saying that he's a center does pose the, the problem that you had mentioned. To me, that would be the biggest hint to me that they're shopping Max Domi. Right. And even the coach is in on it. Not necessarily are they going to trade him. They could still resign him. But they may look at it as, we're going to shop him. Max loves it, says he loves it here in Montreal. Says he'd like to stay here in Montreal. So did Radulov. Right? Well, 
I think it's a little bit different. But anyway, I think Radulov <laughs> used Montreal to get yeah. the money that he's getting now. But and anyway, Domi legitimately does seem does to love seem the city. To and, love the city. Yeah. Um, of course, Domi's going to... Now, Domi never said that he wouldn't play wing. Before anyone jumps the gun and everyone, just like Mark Bergevin, never said he had a five-year plan. But he never didn't say it. He said he prefers to play center. He feels he's a better player when he plays center. But he never, ever said he wouldn't play wing. Now, there is a big thing on Facebook saying that he didn't go along with Julian. No one has ever said him and Julian didn't get along. No, and uh, I've done some digging on there, and I, <clears throat> I, I know a couple of people, and no, it's, it's false. Yeah. They, Julian, they, as a matter of fact, I've never heard – all I've ever heard about Julian was he's very well-liked in that dressing room. Very well-liked. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt that <clears> – <throat> there's no doubt that uh, Domi and Julian have disagreed on stuff. I mean, nobody, oh. nobody agrees on everything. So Exactly. But there's no hate there. There's no, no Julian doesn't like. It's not like a Michelle Darian thing. Where we just stare at you. Where he actually did not like <laughs> players and players did not like him. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'd just yeah. stand there in his underwear smoking a cigarette and staring at you and then telling you to get the hell out of his dresser. Yeah. 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 No, there's none of that. But uh, the Domi... Montreal's funny because everyone on Twitter and Facebook know exactly what Montreal's doing, and Montreal never ever does exactly what you think they're going to do, especially under Bergevin. I've never seen such a tight group of management where you have no, absolutely no leaks coming up. Now you can hint on. Personally, I think Domi's probably not going to be a have next year. Yeah, and I, my personal wish is that he would say, "Yeah, I'll play wing," and he'll stay. Because, as we mentioned, he's a 50 to 60 point guy, good playmaker. He can score. I mean, he got 28 goals just two seasons ago. He's a fit if he were to play on the wing. But, like you said, there's that really good chance. I mean, it's clear that the Canadians are shopping him. They're playing oh. him up as a center, they're shopping him as a center. They want the value, the trade value of a center. Of a center. And so. I'm not. I'm not pro or against. I like Domi. I wish he would stay with the team as a winger on the top yeah. six. Uh, I think would, we can now, instead of trying to get that high top six winger, we can kind of say, all right, well, we don't need a, you know, dry sidle who's actually a center. But you know what I mean? We don't need that 80 to 100 point winger if we can plug in another 60 point winger, right? Now we have, you know, two three, you know, because Gallagher can score 30 goals. Suzuki, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's a 25, 30 goal scorer. Eventually. You know, yeah. you know I mean, if he keeps, I'm not saying next year he's going to be, I'm saying <clears throat> progression is there. Kotkaniemi, yeah. I think will be more of a 20, 25 guy with 40, 50 assists. But, you know, we have guys who potentially, progressively, you have to use your words, good right here people say you said you don't want to get radioed um, uh will be you know 60 70 i mean i think we have two centers now that in the, we could have 70 to 70 to 80 point centers my opinion in Kotkaniemi and uh, yeah 
Yeah, if they both have really good years, you can see maybe even a little bit more. But yeah, Suzuki more so than Kotyanemi. I think Kotyanemi is going to be more of a offensively better than Dano, but not as good defensively as Dano. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, kind of a a power forward style centerman. Correct. Yeah, yeah. he's going to hit. He's going to. He's going to. He's going to be more of a passer, even though he has a wicked shot. But. Uh, anyway, we're getting off the topic, but if Domi can sit there and say, I want to be a winger, I'm all for it. Sign him to, you know, between four and a half and five and a half. I'm not giving him Marner money, but uh, (laughs) I don't think anyone should have gave Marner Marner money. Anyway, uh, give him that and, you know, even sign him to a bridge deal, a three, four-year contract, whatever, right? Yeah, because everything's... Everything's kind of pointing to the Canadian shopping him and him not wanting to play the wing. This is just all circumstantial. You know, the coach he never said he didn't want to play the wing. Never, ever That's said right. that. No, not once. He, but he did say he preferred it. He and preferred then, center. Yeah. Then you got Julian saying he plays better at center and Bergevin saying the same thing. So the, no one's saying he's not a winger, but they're just Technically, saying. Technically, the stats, though, show that statistically. Yeah. He scores more as a center. Exactly. Exactly. Because he had a 72-point season as a center. And who was it? RDS put, uh, put a tweet out uh, on Thursday night. It was uh, point totals for centermen. So he was being compared to, over the last two years, some of the top centermen in the league. And he is right there with them for the most points produced. Well, they put uh, the UFA point totals out there, too, for forwards, and he leads yeah. all UFA in points. So exactly. He actually has more points than uh, – oh, no, they compared it to Line. He actually has one or two more points than Line does. Yeah. yeah but Line has more goals. But Line has more goals, yeah. So, I mean, that's another – people are saying <clears> – <throat> actually, if you really think about it, he was born in Winnipeg. He's a Winnipeg boy. Yep. I probably wouldn't go after Line A, but I would go after Ellers more so than Line A personally. But they need a finisher. Line A's a finisher. Yep. I don't think it'd be a one for one thing, but oh, judging God, no. on the judging on the stats, you could argue, hey, you're getting a guy who gets as many points can help your team score just as many goals as this guy. He's just not the guy scoring the goals. Yeah. And I just so happened to have written an article on the hockey writers about Domi. Toot, toot. toot. That's right. Uh, And I do talk about Winnipeg, and I do mention the fact that he is from there. His father was drafted by the Jets. So it would be kind of a homecoming of sorts. And you could sell a deal in that way. And spoke about Line A because Frank Saravalli said that these are – Line A and Ehlers are both going to be on his uh, trade bait board because they're looking for a second line centerman. Yeah. And Winnipeg, you could tell they need it because once Shifley went down, the whole team's offense just, just ground crumbled. to a halt. Yeah. yeah. So with little out with a, probably his career's done because of concussions, mm. which would be sad because he was a, he was a pretty productive player. Yeah. yeah. There's an opening there for a second line center, which is that's Domi's, milieu so to speak he's he's not going to be relied on defensively he's not going to be the guy relied on offensively he's just there as you know he's adding points and he's going to play a little bit of defense he's a little tough a little little chirpy he'd fit into their system paul maurice would love him but to get line a you're looking at domi and a first and a 
and a top oh, uh, defensive prospect oh, and something. Definitely. Yeah, there's... but you never know. Bergeron has a good uh, has a good relationship with uh, Chevaldeov. Yeah. So uh, you never know. I mean, that Armia deal—he swung that, which was a pretty good deal his way. But again, they were shed trying to shed cap as well. Yeah. So they could sign Line. Eh? Um, and there is some there's some uh, whispers coming out of Winnipeg that he's not really a fit with the team. That he's not. Uh, you know, he doesn't get along with some of the guys and that his demands for, for, for finances are a little bit richer than true North wants to pay. So the writing could be on the wall that he might be shopped. I know he's, he was a former second overall pick and he's one of the top snipers out there. So it fills a need for Montreal. Oh God. Yeah. But what does Montreal want to give up for him? I mean, I think if you yeah. give up Domi, do I really want to give up a first round plus Domi? Plus, 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 plus. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like I could see if I was giving them, I don't know, Tatar or Byron. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Tatar had a great year, but Tatar's in his 30s, right? So yeah, I, I just don't see the fit. I, I, don't, I see a fit, but I don't see it working out. I don't because I think Winnipeg's going to ask for Domi plus a first plus maybe a mid-level prospect like a, oh, am I going to say Paling? I think I'm going to say Paling. And a Juleson or a, or or a, a Juleson or a Brook or a Cal Fleury or something like that. And is Bergevin going to want to give that up? Exactly. Because we all know Bergevin doesn't just look at next year. He looks at 2027. Yeah. And, where's and my team going to be at and this year, right? This is where I think Ehlers is the better, the better target. Agreed. Because I think it'd be easier to get him out of Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, you could probably even argue a one for one, maybe more coming Winnipeg, Montreal's way. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you I, could. I'm just saying it'd be easier to argue it. Exactly. Uh, Ehler is a better two way forward than Domi is. And just as productive. And just as productive. And willing to play on the wing. But uh, now, one of our hockey writer uh, counterparts, uh, the Columbus writer, um, Mark. Mark. He wrote one about uh, Domi going to Columbus and how he would fit in there. Oh, no, Dano. Yeah, it was Dano. Sorry. No, but he did mention Domi. He did okay, mention Domi. Yeah. Go to the Columbus uh, page. Check it out. It's, uh, uh, he does, it's mostly about Dano, but he does mention Domi. And the, the return that he's positing would probably work is Anderson, which yeah. is exactly what the Canadians are looking for. Size on the wings, which yeah. Ehlers doesn't have a lot of size. No. But... He's if not he, small. He's not a Johnny Gaudreau, who which no. everyone thinks Montreal should go after, and I nah, I don't agree with that. He's I don't. I don't see Calgary doing that. I don't see Calgary doing it, but Montreal doesn't need another small forward, especially with Cole Caulfield coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah, but if they were to get an Ehlers out of Winnipeg, he, he would be a he would play the style that they wanted Domi to play on the wing. So it would be yeah. kind of a lateral move, but they get the position they want. Not to mention Ehlers and Drouin when they were in Halifax, lit it up. Those yeah. two together on a line with, say, uh, Suzuki, holy crap. Maybe we can get McKinnon. Yeah, there's a pipe dream. And we'll have the whole Moosehead team. I'll the see whole what I can do about Moosehead team. Yeah, I'll see what I can do about getting some, uh, some, some blackmail uh, <laughs> fodder there. Maybe, hey, Nate, if you don't come over to Montreal, I got this. I'm going to release I'll, I'll, it. I'll, I'll pitch a tent up and start protesting in front of McKinnon's dad's place. <laughs> McKinnon matters. McKinnon matters in Montreal. MMM. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. 
No, but uh, there's there's a lot of options. I mean, Domi has a lot of value, and the Canadians pumping his tires as a center. Rutherford's, me, yeah. Rutherford's a huge fan of Domi, too. Now, I made a trade suggestion we talked about last time on the show yeah. for Tristan Jerry. That's out the window now. But uh, Which we'll get into in the second well, segment. I'll get into the second segment with Matt. Yeah. Um, but Rutherford's a huge fan of Domi, and he would love to have Domi. Nick Budstad coming the other way would not be too bad for Montreal either. Yeah, I mentioned him. I think if uh, he were to go to Pittsburgh and Bukestad be part of the return, that's not enough for Domi. No, it it would be more than maybe a draft pick, maybe a... a, There's not a lot of prospects, that high-level prospects in Pittsburgh right now. Um, But there is one. He's a a big winger, uh, Sam Poulin. He's from... Yeah, and he's he's from there. And he's francophone. Yeah, so... You get all these checks in the boxes yeah. and yeah, maybe then, you know, Brendan Kelly won't look at it and say that uh, Bergevin is destroying the team with a trade or he will because it's Listen, him. Since I'm a fluffy Bergevin uh, guy. You totally are. Yeah, totally. Just fluff him all the time. Fluff him. I'm the biggest fluffer of Bergevin in the world. You are totally a fluffer. And you can take anyone who's listening can take that any way you want. Anyway, <laughs> Google your, the, term, the term. It's your fluffer. mind that's thinking that way. That's all I got. Just Google say. the term. You'll see what we're talking about. Um, he's not the trades isn't where. If I was going to argue about Bergman, trades isn't where I'd go because you would lose in a minute. Oh yeah, he does well on trades, and this yeah. is the thing that I've been kind of pushing is that I think it's time now for Bergman to lose a trade to fill a need, like overpay for someone that is clearly a need. Yeah. I think we're there. I think we're there. So I, I think I we're at the point, loses. I think we're at the point where Bergevin gets to start saying, all right, this is my core. This yep. is my young core. This is my team. Now I got to build around it and make this team a contender. Exactly. What, what fits these guys? Yeah. Because I think Bergevin's biggest issue is he always looking too far ahead. Yeah. At some point, you have to look at what's right in front of you and say, all right, this is my team. How do I make it better so that we can go after the Stanley Cup within the next couple of years? Because you have Price and Weber sitting there with maybe three to four years of really good hockey left. Yeah. So, so his windows, I say his window, well, I've always said next year is his window. Next year, the team should be a playoff team on its way to a contender. And not make it into the playoffs because they're one of the biggest markets in hockey and they're trying but to fill the bubble. Be an actual playoff team. Be one of yeah. those teams where they're like, this team should actually make the playoffs very easily. Earn your way in and yeah. make it obvious. Not one of these last day things where you just slide in. Yeah. No, I, and that, that's what I mean. That's what I think they should be. Now, some people have put words in my mouth said, you said they'd be a contender. Well... Playoff contender is not the same as cup contender. Correct. (laughs) And if you make the playoffs, anything can happen. Which is true. I mean, you you look at uh, the Kings who won when they were an eighth seed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nashville was an eighth seed and made it to the final. Uh, Look at Philadelphia right now. Yeah. You know, they were, they were what, fourth or fifth seed, something like that. And they're doing okay. The Islanders, they got no stars and they were a little bit behind and now they're and then you have the up. Leafs oh wait never mind who the Leafs oh, oh okay you mean the team that didn't win a, a yeah. series yeah wait I, I I should have bought that hockey news 
the one with Tavares on it and said, it's not a matter of when they'll win the cup, it's how many. Oh. <laughs> I've seen people talking about that one. It's, yeah. uh, it's got Tavares, it's all blue, Tavares is on it, and the big bold letters across the front. Doesn't ma- it's not a matter of when, it's a matter of how many. Oh, God. I'm, I'm firmly a believer of you don't call a team a, a cup contender until they've at least won a couple of series. That makes sense. Even a play-in series would have been good. <laughs> Something. Yeah, okay, fine. We're taking some pot shots at Toronto because we can. It's fun. We're not being malicious. No. are we? We're not being malicious at all. Maybe we are. Who knows? Who cares? It's this Toronto. is a Habs podcast, not a Leafs podcast. We can be whatever <laughs> way we want. We do why Leafs, have... Why are Leafs fans listening to us anyway? There are some. I know because they're homers and they're like, oh, you, 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 they, well, they haven't won the cup in 30 years. It's still half the time out of time you've won the cup. But anyway, whatever. Sure. We haven't lost to a Zamboni driver either. So, oh. that. <laughs> whatever. That is, that is a valid At least point. we don't think we're going to win the cup every year. We're just happy if we make the playoffs, <laughs> which yeah. is. Which is something you can be say like have we lowered our standards that much? <laughs> well, let's let's be honest though. It's a thirty-one team league, soon to be thirty-two. You have to be somewhat realistic, and you can't win the cup every other year like the Canadians used to. I think people got a little bit uh, a little bit spoiled. They did. I mean, when the NHL hit its one hundredth year, Montreal had twenty-four Stanley Cups. Yeah, when you have a fourth of the Stanley Cups out of Correct. an entire century, yeah. you're spoiled. So it's time to let's let's enter the 21st century, look at modern NHL and how it's laid out and realize that yeah, it's kind of sucks to say, hey, make it to the playoffs and maybe something will happen. But that's true. But it's on Bergevin now to actually yep. make the moves to get the pieces that'll actually help in the friggin' playoffs. And this year and next, he has the money, the picks and the assets to do, to build this team into a contender in the next two years. He has it all. And if if he does not turn this team to a contender in two years, it's a failure on him. him. Yeah. Boot him. He's gone. Absolutely. Just like we said in 2017. Exactly. But I'm a fluffy Bergevin guy, so I want him there forever. Yeah. You love him. You love him almost as much as you hate Mete. I don't hate Mete. (laughs) I just don't think he's an NHL defend defenseman. Sorry. But he's in the NHL and he plays oh, defense. Sure. Good so for him. By your standards of technically, it's Good true. Good for him. That's true. He is an NHLer. I just don't think he should be. Any other team in the NHL, he wouldn't be. <laughs> now that Romanov's here, and Even when Toronto? they sign Tory Krug, he's gone. But what about Toronto? Toronto could use a defenseman. They can have him. There you go. He'd be an NHL in Toronto. You know what? They can have him. He can even score against Carey Price. I do not care. I doubt that would happen. Everyone scores. Listen, everyone who can't score or has not scored yet scores against Carey Price. That's a valid point, but only in Montreal. And if they're French. Especially if they're French. <laughs> it's just how many guys had their first goal of their career against Carey Price this year? How many goalies have you know just walked into the Bell Center and had to shut out? And it's their only NHL game. 
Joggy rubber boots with another save. He's made 52. <laughs> this period. And then never seen again. Yeah. And then he plays two more games and his uh, average balloons to 666. Because like, he let in 15 goals in the second game. And yeah. Uh, it's, these are all facts. This happens. It happens all the time. Yeah. Just Google Jean-Guy rubber boots. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> LeGrand Jacques. What's that? Uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, the love guru, LeGrand Cock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're thinking, hey, maybe I should watch the love guru, don't. It no, is a, it's terrible. Oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. Sorry, so, Mike Myers, but yeah, I know you're a big fan of the show, even though you're a least fan, but uh, it's more of a hate love, a hate follow for him. That was a terrible movie. Yeah, terrible. but uh, we're we're rambling. So what we'll do is yeah. we'll end the segment here, and then uh, when we come back, you and Matt will talk about more important things, and without me, like goaltending and his sexy beard. Yeah, that beard. Jake Allen's from New Brunswick. Jake Allen is a big fan of the show. Or at least he's heard the name of the show at one point. Either way. You know who else is from New Brunswick? Matt. And his beard. Well, his beard's from Ontario. Genetically, it's from New Brunswick. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but if you want to get technical, for him to say it's from New Brunswick, he has to shave it all off. Go to New Brunswick, grow a new one. He could have grew it when he went there over Christmas. He could have. But, you know, his mom would get angry. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll end the segment there. And we'll cut to a commercial. And when we come back, Treg and Matt are going to chuck crap about me. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and needs some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluga! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hey, what's that over there? I don't know, man. It looks like a... It looks like a jock strap. What, what's a jock strap doing up in the concourse? I don't know. Let me check. It, it says C. Lindgren on it. Weird. 
man, are you always getting digged out and losing your gear? If so, you should download the new app, GearFinder.com. We'll put microchips in all your gear, so when that guy digs you out on a simple play, you'll find your gear later, and not some dudes in the crowd. Hey man, I should take this home to my wife. She might like it. Maybe she can find your gear too. Well, we'll download the app and we can help Charlie Lindgren out. (laughs) Yeah, help me! Yeah! Throw it over, guys! Gearfinder.com For all your lost gear needs. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, Blaine, Potfin had to leave us, but I'm joined now with the bearded wonder, Matt Smith. Matt, how you doing? Good, thanks. And how are you? Oh, I can't complain. I know you're busy and working hard, and that's why our show's a little bit uh, split up this time because of work schedules and all that kind of stuff. And Matt's here uh, saving our country one airplane at a time. I'm doing the best I can. That's all we can ask for. Any plans for the weekend? Working. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's a great long weekend for me. <laughs> Defending Canada. It sounds like it. Yeah. And why wouldn't we want to defend Canada? Canada's the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the first uh, segment, uh, Blaine and I talked about uh, places Cole Caulfield could end up. And we talked about whether or not uh, if Domi's going to stay with the team and possible places he could end up. Uh, what's your thoughts? I put a poll out. I don't know if you saw it. I know you've been busy. On where Cole Caulfield could end up if the NCAA uh, were to shut down. Uh, we'll just briefly go over this because we went over it in detail in the first segment. Um, sure. Now the options were... OHL, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Laval, Montreal, or other. Now, where do you think is the best spot for Cole Caulfield? Personally, I'd love to see him in Sault Ste. Marie because they're likely going to be the uh, hosts of the Memorial Cup. So he'd already be punching his ticket to play against the top junior players. However, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he wanted to sign his professional contract. And if that's the case, if... uh, he deems that he thinks he's ready and the team possibly thinks that he's ready to go to Laval. It wouldn't bother me to see him in Laval next season and uh, play against some tougher competition and we'll see what the kid's got and see how he flourishes, if he flourishes, under uh, Joel Bouchard. Now, granted, if he wants to play in the OHL and the NCAA doesn't allow them to play in the OHL, he'd have to sign his contract anyway. He'd have to, or he'd have to go to a lesser league, and I don't want to see that. That's right. So, I mean, for him to go to the uh, United States Hockey League, if he can't play NCAA, it would just be a step backwards. Absolutely, and if that's the case, if he can't go to Sault Ste. Marie, I would say it would be a no-brainer. Sign the guy and put him in Laval and see what he's got. Yeah. Uh, As Blaine and I touched first in the first segment, uh, I don't think Montreal or – I mean, my Cole Caulfield wants to play with Montreal, wants to play pro – so he'll he'll sign the dotted line as soon as the paper comes across the table anyway. So. I, I think so, too. Yeah. But he's not ready for the NHL. No, definitely not. I mean, if he goes to Laval, it'd be interesting to see how he does. And if he seems to be semi-dominating or doing very well in the AHL, you could possibly see him in Montreal. But I give him another year. Be, do what they do with him, what they're doing with Primo, and let him 
develop in the minors before we. Yeah, there's no sense. The there's no sense to. There's no sense to rush the guy. Yeah. Uh, so let's go on to more recent news and uh, something that was brought up on our show uh, just a couple shows ago. Uh, Jake Allen has signed with Montreal. Uh, he well, it's never signed, but he got traded to Montreal. Uh, traded from St. Louis with a seventh round draft pick for 2022 for a third and a seventh round draft pick this year, which was Washington's and Chicago's picks. Um, so what do you think of this uh, signing there, Matt? I think it's fantastic. I think that we uh, picked up the goaltender that we needed to really assist Carey Price in assuring that he can be well-rested and when it come, when push comes to shove and the Canadians are playing meaningful hockey, you got Carey Price and he's well-rested. Uh, personally, during the playoffs, I believe that Allen was the better goaltender between he and Bennington. Uh, Bennington looked like garbage um, when the bubble hockey started. He lost every game that he started. Um, 4.72 goals against and an 8-5-1 save. And uh, Jake Allen in uh, the four games that he started, he had a 9.35 save and a 1.89 goals against. I personally, I think Jake Ben or uh, Jordan Bennington's a one-year wonder. I don't think he's going to be a superstar I don't goalie think, in the I league. I don't think he's going to be a savior either. Like I, I I'm not going to say that St. Louis made a big uh, a big mistake in doing this, but I think they really over-evaluated the uh, the long-term potential of Jordan Bennington. Well, they have a, a young Finnish guy in the, that they're looking to bring up as well. That's that's true. So I, maybe they're looking at him as the. Uh, I think St. Louis, they got their cup, and I think now they're looking at the other side of hockey where the aging players are going to have to start getting sent out, and I can see in the next few years a rebuild coming St. Louis's way. Like I'm not going to say anything bad about Benning. He still won 30 games this year. He did. But look at the team he's got in front of him, and it's not like he had amazing numbers to win those 30 games. He was average. He was. He was very average. He was like the Carolina. So get, he was like the Carolina goalies. Like uh, Carolina doesn't have a great goalie. They have James Reimer and uh, um, Peter Mrazek. Yeah, Peter Mrazek. And neither one of them are great. I would say they're they're average goalies, but they play on a good team. They're Absolutely. good enough to stop enough pucks for their team to win. But they're not so, good enough to le- to steal games for their team when they need them in the playoffs. Absolutely, and, and that's we saw that with. And we saw that with Carey Price. Like Price was incredible in the playoffs, and we all can agree on that. Started every game, two shutouts, nine thirty six save, one point seven eight goals against. Um, you know, lights out, stole games for the Canadians. Was the reason they won as far as what they did. And um, again, as again, <laughs> yeah. And, and and as I said in the in my uh, opening remarks to this question. Going out and getting Jake Allen, yeah, maybe they're paying a little bit more money for a quality backup, but this is a guy that's going to be able to give you those 25, 30-plus games. If it so happens that uh, Price needs an extended break, you know, God forbid a uh, an injury happens or anything, but I'd be comfortable going to a, going to a game as a fan if we ever can post-COVID. And um, I'd be happy to see Jake Allen in net, and I, it wouldn't make me nervous as opposed to going to a game and seeing, uh, you know, someone like uh, Keith Kincaid or Charlie or uh, Charlie Lindgren. Well, that 
down to, here's my next question on this subject. So we talk about the money. Uh, now they have uh, $14.8 million in their goaltending. This is includes Charlie Lindgren and Demchenko and all the money they have in goaltending right now. Uh, 4.3 for Allen. Price is 10.5. Oh, so no, actually, no, it's just those two. So then you add the other two, you're looking at over $15 million in goaltending. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, we probably could have got just a good of goalie on the free agent market for less money. Do you think that's true? Or I don't think so. I, I tend to agree. I mean, you're not going to get Robin Leonard for that type of money. You're, There's no way. You're There's not no gonna, way you're going to get him, and he's likely looking to be a starter somewhere. You're not going to. Um, yep. Personally, I think the guys that uh, would be available – they're going to stick either stick with their teams or they're going to want to be like more of like a 1A, 1B. Look at, um, for instance, a lot like we talked about Hudobin. I know you've brought him up multiple times. Well, he was he was the guy I wanted Montreal to sign. I figured Montreal was going to the UFA route. So that's but who, look at But yeah. look at Hudobin right now. As we record, it's the fourth, and Dallas is off to the Western Conference final with Hudobin as their goalie. Yes. If he continues to play the way that he is, he's he's likely going to re-sign with Dallas for another year. Or he's going to want bigger money somewhere else. Oh, totally agree. Totally like, yeah, agree. they've got they've got Jake Ottinger coming up and everything, but guys never played NHL game, and with how shaky uh, Bishop's been, perhaps they'll take you to open and they'll have more of a one A one B situation in Dallas. Well, the way I looked at the UFAs is you the top UFAs were. Kadobin, Halak, Halak, till he signed with Boston on a very team-friendly deal. Uh, he only signed for like two and a half million. Um, Markstrom, Markstrom, Leonard, and we know he's not going anywhere. That's correct. Markstrom, Leonard, um, Kadobin, Grice, Anderson, and a few other uh, Howard, and a few other. Then the list starts getting down. I'm not even going to mention Holpe because he was never coming to Montreal anyway. Absolutely. Um, and then the list starts going down to guys like Deming and Condon and a bunch of guys that we don't want. You're just getting into the Niemi Kincaid area of backup goaltending. Um, so if you look at those guys, Markstrom, you're not going to. If you get him, you're you're paying four and a half, five million dollars, and he's going to be a one A, one B slash starter. Yeah, and he's not a guy that would want to come in to be the backup, to be a backup, to especially to carry price, right? right? In my opinion, the only real goalie that was there that they could have went out and got in the UFA market and not signed to a ridiculous contract or anything would have been Grice. I, I would agree to that. I would say Grice, you probably got could have got him for around $3 million, three and a yep. half tops. Yep, and, and, and Mark Bergevin in his press conference said, it's a priority for us to sign a backup goalie and to look after Carey Price because a rusted Carey Price is a good Carey Price. And we've said it at the show multiple times. And a lot of us were like, okay, well, when's that going to happen? And, you know, many of us, when Bergevin makes a, uh, makes a comment, and I'm not anti-Bergevin, so people from Twitter don't fucking freak out for me to say this. But are, this. are you a fluffy Bergevin guy? <laughs> well, a lot of the time when Bergevin says something, we all say to ourselves, okay, you've said it, so like shit or get off the pot. Like, get it done. And this time, he didn't wait for a free agency. 
He went out, he made a bold move, he didn't give up anything for it, and he looked after arguably the Canadians' most popular, or not popular, um, that's the word I'm looking for, their most important player. If you ask me, if you want to complain about the salary cap and the fact that they have something like 18% of the cap now into goaltending, it's only for one year. Absolutely. And look at look at the players that produced and what they're making. Yeah. Like Nick Suzuki was the best forward the Canadians had, and he's making sub 900K. And he will for the next two years. Yeah. Same with Kaki and Emmy for the next one year. Uh, so people can, you but, know, but if you think about the, the break, they still have fourteen million left over to spend at the end of the season, yeah. even even with the the Allen coming over. We and know they've got two guys to sign. Uh, well, three: Juleson, Mete, and Domi. Right. If you want to sign Mete, and they have Oletz and RFA, but Oulette and Houdon are RFA. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about Juleson. I, I don't know. I don't think Oulette and Houdon are going to come back. Even though Oulette, I think, had a pretty good playoffs. I still don't. Houdon, I think, has gone to Europe. Um, I think Houdon's gone. Well. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this as well, we yeah, we'll, we'll talk about next, this. We're talking about goaltending right now. So right yeah. now in the goaltending, you have Allen. People are worried about the cap. Some of the people arguing about the cap are the same people who argue that they don't spend to the cap, and then when they do spend money on the cap, they argue about what they're spending it on. So I, I don't think they're ever going to be happy no matter what. Um, it's only for one year. Uh, once that contract's over, it's going to be the same year that all these other guys are up for – like Gallagher, Deneau, Tatar, Petrie, Cocky, and Emmy, and all these guys need to get re-signed. Um, but his, that it's not going to matter. They're going to have something like $42 million at the end of the season, depending on how the rest of this season goes, or this off-season goes. Um, they still have $14 million left over, so they still have the money to go out and either re-sign Domi and still get a top-six winger. So if you're worried about the money, they still have enough money Left over. Mete's not going to cost you much. Uh, Juleson's not going to cost you much. If you want to re-sign Ouellette, that's not going to cost you much. Like These guys are going to all get bottom six, seven defensemen type money. So, you know, tops maybe 1.5 million, maybe. Um, so the money you shouldn't worry about. Uh, another thing that's brought up is what happens now that we have Allen, so you know he's playing in the NHL behind Price. We know everyone, at least all Habs fans and stuff, want Primo to be the number one guy in Laval. So what happens now with Lindgren, Demchenko, and McNevin? So personally, I think uh, Lindgren's, he's had a foot out the door for a long time, in my opinion. Um, you got to think, this guy's been with the, uh, with the team, in some capacity, since the 15-16 season. And from there, it yeah, it took a couple of years for him to maybe get into a little bit more of a backup role. We'll just say from 2017-2018. But the guy's never really taken, taken the reins and really stole the show. Well, some podcasters would argue he never got the chance. He definitely got the chance, and we all know he got the chance. And I agree. I agree. Uh, and he couldn't win it. They had to bring Niemi in and then re-sign him because they didn't have the faith in Lindgren. And then it was the same It was the same thing this year with uh, with Kincaid. Yeah. And we saw even when even when he came up, 
Price was playing back-to-back games. Well, I mean, the problem with Lindgren is he kind of have the le- he has the Lekkonen effect. He came in, he played very well in the few games he played in his first two seasons. I think he played like nine games in the NHL, and he won like six of them or something in his first couple seasons. Like he'll play, he played two games here, then he played three games, then he came in and played like thirteen games or something. Uh, and those first four or five games, he played really, really, really well. Something like what Primo Primo did this year, um, and everyone thought, "Oh, well, Lindgren." Condon did the same thing when he first came in, played really, really well, and everyone thought we had the backup goalie we needed. The problem is, is we're basing everything on just small sample sizes. That's true. And, and I will, I'm going to get into this again when we talk about the our next subject, the fourth line guys, and when we talk about paling, but. Lindgren's a terrible goalie. He's he he's, I mean, he signed on for another year for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I think. I don't think he has very much value, um, and I just don't know what they're going to do with him. Well, it took Caden Primo a year of pro hockey to surpass Charlie Lindgren. Yeah, Michael McNevin had a better year than Charlie Lindgren. I mean, small sample size. He only played four games in the age, three games in the AHL, but three he won, games in the AHL, he won yeah. all three of them. He did, yeah. And until he got to his last ECHL team, he was actually playing very well when he played in the ECHL. And that's not bad for a guy who only ended up playing like 16 games all year. That probably was a little more than that. I'm kind of guesstimating right now. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, McNevin didn't play because he was like the third goalie on two other teams that were not that were e, uh, minor teams for other NHL teams. And that's the problem with not having an ECHL affiliate is that they're going to want to pump their own team out, oh, their own course. guys. So, yeah, you might have the better goalie sitting on the bench or sitting in the stands, but, you know, teams are going to want to look after their own first. And and that makes perfect sense. I mean, what team wouldn't do that? You're not going to. Absolutely. Um, but with, with, with Lindgren, I just brought up the numbers. And in his career, he's played 24 games. He's 10, 12, and two, with a 907 save and a three, uh, a solid three for goals against average. I don't think the 907 is terrible, but uh, it's 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 not. But the but it's also a bit inflated because if you look at his first couple seasons where he only played a handful of games, yeah, I believe he, it. He, you know, he had a 929 and a 949. Correct. And after that, yeah. I don't think he hits nine again. Yeah, he had 908. The year he played 14 games, he was 908. And since then, he's been like 880-something. He was 888 this year. Yeah. And then and so then it, you look at his AHL numbers, and they're nothing to look at either. Like No, they're really not. So, you know, moving on from Lindgren, because yeah. I know we could bash him all day. <laughs> um, we, I think his time in Montreal has come to an end. His time in Laval has come to an end. He's been surpassed. He had his chance. And if uh, the Canadians had... You know, if, if if they thought he was the guy, they wouldn't have went out and got Kincaid, and they sure as hell wouldn't have went out and got Jake Allen. No, especially since Kincaid was a complete failure. Now, a lot of people are saying their question is because I wrote an article on Allen. It just came out today. This is Saturday as we record, and I put it on Facebook and do the whole uh, thing when I put it out there. And some people are saying we didn't solve anything because we haven't seen Allen play like. Jake Allen has over 280 some odd NHL games as a starter. Yeah, and he's, a backup. No, he's he, yeah. Kincaid, he's 
Kincaid was going in the opposite direction when Montreal picked him up. Well, Allen it went from a down year to two positive years afterwards. Yeah. So Kincaid went from a positive year to a down year to a just god awful year. Um, yeah. You can't. I don't. I personally, you can't compare the two. Uh, no, Kincaid, not at all. Kincaid didn't have the experience that Jake Allen has, uh, and he didn't have the pedigree. Um, do I think Jake Allen is the end all to be all that could? Because some people have even said, "Oh, well, we should get rid of Price now that we got Allen." You guys just need to shut up because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not trying to be rude to any of our people listening, but if you're sitting there saying we got Allen now, we got to trade Price, well, then you're just ruining the career of Primo. Because let's let's all remember, we inflate the tires of Primo because he had such a good year, but he is a seventh round draft pick. And he's never really, he's only played two games in the NHL. So let's let's not be so quick to trade off Price now just because we got a, a veteran goaltender who's, let's face it, he's a career backup. Um, and, Are you talking about Allen? Yeah, Allen. Allen's definitely not a career backup. Well, he is now. Allen's not going to be a starter. He could be a he could be a starter on he on could, some teams for sure. He be he's a okay. He's a one A one B. He's a one B starter. Up, up till last year, up till last year when uh, Bennington kind of came out of nowhere due to injuries, the guy was putting up. Um, like in sixteen seventeen, he played sixty one games oh. and won thirty three of them. He he got twenty seven wins the next season. He had nineteen last season, and twelve this year. But his numbers this year, even though we only uh, started, he started twenty one games. He had a nine twenty seven save percentage and a two fifteen goals against. Oh, don't get me wrong. He's not. You know what I mean? So like, he's he's only twenty nine. Like he's not ancient. But the guy's been playing in the NHL since he's been twenty two. Now, do you see him resigning after this year with Montreal? It's hard to say. It's going to depend on how he fits in with the team and how he and, and how he sees himself. If he has a really good year and they deem that Primo might not be ready to fill the role of a backup next year, then hell, maybe they will. Maybe they will bring him back for, I, another, for, for another season. It, it's it's hard to say. Like it's not like he's uh, it's not like he's ancient. As I said, he's only twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the money. If he's making four point three now. Unless he signs a team-friendly deal with Montreal, but he was season. he was also making four point three as a starter. That's true. That's true. Right, he was making four point three as a starter. He's he's not going to make that much money now as a as a backup. Right, and that's just basically what I was trying to say earlier. He was a starter, and Montreal is going to be a backup. I don't see him once he hits his thirties, unless it's a team like Detroit or Ottawa or something like that. I don't see him taking over as a starter somewhere else. No, I can't see it. And uh, so let's go on to the other goal. So Demchenko and McNevin. McNevin, I don't think, is coming back. He's an RFA. No, I don't think so. I don't it, think they're even going to resign him. And it's unfortunate with uh, with McNevin. I've always liked him. He was, uh, you know, he was a standout goaltender uh, when he played for Owen Sound. Um, really caught my eye the year that they signed him. Um, he went. He won forty one games that year, which is fucking unbelievable. And um, Montreal just kind of has a knack for uh, signing very good goalies. And it's just, just so happens they just never had a place to put them. Which is a shame, really, because, again, we'll, I'll bring I'll bash Charlie Lindgren a bit. It's almost like Charlie Lindgren got in his way. 
Well, he did, and then this year Kincaid did. Yeah. When he went, when Kincaid played so poorly that they sent him to the AHL, and in in the in the AHL he played even more poorly. But you couldn't bury that in the ECHL. You had to exactly. But the thing is, they chose to continue giving him starts, even though he was a detriment to the team. I think that was a more to protect Primo and keep Primo from playing too many games. But but what they could they could have called up McDevitt. They could have. But you see what and I'm they saying? Could've just, that? And they could have and they could have just had three goalies. If they wanted to continue having a chance to win games, because I saw I I went to a game. I saw Keith Kincaid play against uh, the Marlies. And he was awful. Well, Keith Kincaid was awful, period, no matter where he played. Actually, he, like, he played well in Charlotte. When he, when he did. He, loaned to there. he did, but he looked absolutely awful. I, I, I'm almost positive Kincaid played his way out of the NHL. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, a team would be, uh, after this year's performance, he'd be lucky. He'd be lucky to, like, he'd be lucky to find a starting job in the AHL next year. Not even that, and his attitude he had on social media towards his poor play. Yeah. So I'd uh, say so. Just moving on a bit here. Uh, so McNevin, I don't think he's coming back. Either he'll be traded nope. and signed elsewhere, or they just won't re-sign him as an RFA. Yeah, which is as I said, which is unfortunate. But it is, you know, and hopefully we've, some we've team got, will we've, pick him up. Yeah, he'll 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 have a job next year. Uh, he reminds me of Fercali. Fercali was the same way. Montreal signed him, got him as a, and he never he just got buried. Yeah, behind Price and Halak and all these other guys. Um, uh, Demchenko. Demchenko was signed for uh, seven hundred and some odd thousand dollars to come over from the KHL. Uh, very good numbers on a very poor team over there. This is why I think Lindgren has probably gone to. I don't see Jem- Demchenko coming to North America to play for the Maine Mariners. I just, not a chance. I just don't. There's not a chance. Uh, so, unless they go with a three goalie system in the AHL, which they won't do. I I just I just don't see. Just to hurry this up a bit, I don't see where Lindgren falls in there. So if anyone's wondering, uh, I wrote an article months and months ago about who's the odd man out. I said it was McNevin. Now it's McNevin and Lindgren. I don't think either one of them will be a Montreal Canadian. Yeah, with them picking up Allen, yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, for, my, for me, just to be quick, uh, Demchenko, he'll be the backup to Katie Primo. Primo. And if Primo falters, they'll ride Demchenko. If Primo falters, I'm just saying. Yeah, if Primo absolutely, falters. absolutely. Uh, so moving on, uh, we're going to talk uh, something we hinted on earlier about the. Uh, so the Canadian, we all know the Canadians need a sniper and a top six winger. We're not going to get into that, uh, but we're one. I want to get into the fourth line now. The Canadians just signed a Vedemo, uh, and he may be loaned to the uh, Swedish Hockey League, like uh, Liskinen was. Um, and uh, so how do you think our fourth line is going to look? Do you think they're going to Bar- – Bargy's going to do his Bargy bin, bring his fourth liners in like he likes to – seems to do? It's, it's it's really hard to say because we might see a deal here and there for uh, for someone that's already signed with a team. Mm. If you look at the uh, – if you want like a crash and bang guy, you might look at someone like, uh, like Kyle Clifford who's with the Leafs right now. But I can't really see them going out and doing that. It's it's hard to predict right now, and I don't want to speculate who they're going to possibly sign. So without getting into that, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they at least extended the uh, extended an offer to uh, Nate Thompson to possibly bring him back. He was a he was a guy that the the fans really loved. He was a great guy in the locker room. Yes, he's 35. He'll be 36 in October. But this is a guy that's a team guy. He he loved Montreal. He brings some uh, a little bit of grit to the team. He can win faceoffs. He can kill penalties. Wouldn't be surprised if they at least asked him. Um, Vedemo with a signing. He'll be a call up at best uh, for next season. Like he was didn't this really. Year. Yeah, like he was this year. He played yeah. seven games, got a goal, averaged eight minutes a game. Didn't really impress me that much. We'll see what we'll see what happens. But I can see him either starting in Sweden, as you mentioned, or uh, depending on COVID, or starting the AHL. Um, a fourth line to me, it wouldn't surprise me to see, using the current players that we have, Evans at center with uh, Paling at the left and, uh, say, Jordan Wheel on the right, using the using the current team that we have right now. Dale Weiss isn't going to be back. Uh, Houdon's not going to be back. I just I can't see I can't see Paling knocking off Evans um, for that fourth line role, and which is a little bit of a shame because you got a first line a first line or a first round center that you uh, that you picked up this year he just he didn't seem to have it and that um, kind of made its way to the playoffs and we didn't even see him and every game that Montreal played his name um, trended on Twitter. And people were wondering where he is and when he's going to get his chance and everything. Obviously, it was there was something there was something there. There was some underlying issue why he wasn't playing. Because why give a guy like Dale Weiss or Belzil or someone like that so much opportunity when you've got a first round pick, prime ready to go, and hungry to play? Why wasn't he playing? So well, no, I think there was there's an underlying thing there. Well, apparently he came into camp out of shape. Um, that's the rumor. That's, that's the, the rumor. rumor. Some say he even admitted to it being out of shape. Uh, he did. Uh, he was available for games because we see he did come out and do the sort yeah, of skate at the start. He did. Um, my thing on Paling is people got to remember. Everyone views Paling as that guy who scored the hat trick against Toronto in the last game of the year. And everyone expected him to come out and be this high-scoring center that, you know, a number two center, basically. And, again, this is one of those things where people are getting all hyped up over a small sample size. To me, Paling was never going to be anything more than a third-line center. Um, he was drafted, uh, what, 26th or 25th. something? 25th. 25th. Um, Yes, he's center. He's drafted out of the uh, NCAA. Um, he's. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He got size. He can. He can shoot. He's. He's skating needs work. Uh, so you mentioned you see him on the left wing. I think Montreal would be better off because making him more of a power forward type winger. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it's easier to turn a center into a winger than a winger into a center. And right now Montreal's deep at center. Um, for he, me, that's the only way he makes the team next year. I mean, he he has to play wing, and he played wing when he played for Montreal this year when he got called up. 
Yeah, um, but he didn't look. But he, the thing is, he didn't. He didn't impress. He didn't. There press. was never. There was. There was never really a game where I said, "Hey, Ryan Paling." But you have to. Uh, I'm going to take some uh, uh, Brian Wilde's words. He never touched the puck. He was on the fourth line, and he didn't. He never really had the puck. But in 27 games with the team, you've got to think that at least one of those games you would have remembered. Well, he didn't score a goal. He, he scored a goal. Do I? Do I remember it? No, I don't. <laughs> I I I see what you're saying, but what I'm also saying is it's his first year pro. Give the guy a break. See it's, what he does. True. See what he does next year. It's uh, it's true, but people have to you know pump the brakes a little bit as well and and forget about that three goal performance. And, and, you know, and that's I, I what I'm trying to away. say. That's what I was blown away by it too. Yeah. But you're not gonna push someone out like Evans, and yeah, Evans is a few years older. But you gotta think, Evans was a fucking seventh round pick. But Evans is also more of a fourth round center or fourth line center. He is right. So Paling is more of a. I think this guy is he's like a domey where he needs people he to play with in order yeah. to show his skill. But what I'm trying to say is, you expect more of a first round pick. You do, but he was a low first round pick. So he's it's no really if you look at the percentage of first round picks that make it if you're picking 25 and up it's something like a 30 percent that they actually make the nhl we'll see what he we'll see what he comes out with next year but yeah he's got to come to camp and he's got to work for it he's not a lock to make the team i don't think he is either and i'm indifferent about paling if the team if they keep him if he makes the team whatever i don't really care i think paling's a dime a dozen player he's a third line player and end of conversation you know what right now in, in my opinion with him um if they use him as trade bait to for a bigger deal, just because of that first line, the first uh, first round pick um, um, Stig- tag being on, yeah, him, yeah. then I'd I'd welcome it. If well, it, if it helped the Canadians get better, I'd welcome well, moving. Him. Well, right now uh, the Domi paling and first round pick is being thrown out there for everybody. Oh my god, yeah, so, it's every deal. Um, now we talked about Domi in the first half about where we think he's going to go. I personally don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be a winger for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if he went anywhere. And it's you can tell, and I don't think it's a secret that he is being shopped. I don't. There's no reason why the organization organization would come out and say we see him better as a center if they weren't shopping him, because that just hurts their uh, negotiating tactics if they don't want him. If they're not going to sign him as a center. Agreed. And if he wants to be a center, then he's going to have to play fourth-line center with the Montreal Canadiens because he's not taking over Kotniemi, Suzuki, or Deneau. Um, but that's a different, that's, that's something else. We're, we'll go back to the uh, fourth line. So me for the fourth line, I think Evans is our fourth-line center. I think he earned that spot, and it's his to lose. Um, for the wings, I kind of agree. I like to see Paling on the wing, but it wouldn't shock me. I personally don't. Th- I think Bergevin's going to go out and do his usual uh, Nick Cousins, Jordan Wheel, Dale Weiss type signing, where he signs a you know everyday fourth line plug guy and puts him in there. Um, and I think it. I don't think Mark Bergevin's done with his moves. I don't think he's done. Jake Allen was just the start. Um, as you, like you said it. Like how many times have you heard Bergevin say, "I know this is important. I know this is a need." and then not address that need, or at least try to address that need through free agency and fail. And I think that's why he went out and traded for Allen. Cause I he's, think he's off to a good start. He is. Hopefully, but I, hopefully there's more to follow when he addresses the scoring winger and possibly a, um, a defenseman. However, 
it's a, it's a good start. We'll we'll see where it comes from there. I don't think they need the defenseman right now or anymore. As I don't think it's as much of a, a priority as say the winger, the scoring winger is anymore. I would say that his next priority is definitely a scoring yeah. winger. So uh, if and he, if he can add a little bit of size to the team, do that as well. Uh, I know Taylor Hall's name. Darren Drager just this week said Taylor Hall would be a good fit in Montreal. I'm not a Taylor Hall fan, so. Uh, I'm not going to say, I wouldn't say no if he came over to the team. I just won't, I don't think I'd like any contract they give him, especially if it's a long one for a lot of money. Um, cause he's injury prone. I'm sorry, but he gets hurt every year. Um, yeah. And that, that's all going to depend. And when he gets signed, cause I mean, we could end up getting a Taylor Hall or a Kovalchuk as rumors going around. I don't think Kovalchuk's going to do anything to help the team. Uh, and that's going to bump guys from the third line down to the fourth. So, I mean, if Taylor Hall comes in, uh, you're going to see someone like Armia or Byron or someone drop down to the fourth line or maybe a Lekkinen. True. It's just because so it's all where it places. So to sit there and say who's going to be on the fourth line, well, as of right now with the team we have now, it's I, you and I both agree it's these three players. Wheel. Uh, Evans and uh, and Paling probably. Yep. So, um, and that's that. That's that's pretty much the show there, uh, Matt. Uh, at least our our segment of it, the second half of it. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Anything you want to say? No, I think as I said, like I, I believe uh, Bergman is not done. Uh, we're going to do another show in the in the near future, and I believe that more is coming, and uh, I look forward to discussing it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So, all right, Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know you were working hard, and that's why we had to split the show up. Uh, Blaine, I guess, is coaching hockey or doing so. I don't know what Blaine's doing. He's probably drinking Pink Whitney and didn't want to. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, thanks for coming out. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to Habs Unfiltered, making us one of the top uh, English-speaking podcasts on four continents. Four continents, Matt. Um, We we even hit the charts in Japan. Thank you, Japan. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how to say thank you in in, uh, Japanese, but... We will learn it. We'll learn it. Um... But, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, without you, we wouldn't have a show. We enjoy doing the show for you. Please stay tuned. I believe we're going to do another midweek one. Matt, uh, hopefully you'll be available for that. If not, I don't know what's going to happen with that. And then we'll have our usual weekend show. And, yeah, that's it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Matt, thanks for joining me. You're very welcome. And uh, we'll talk to everyone uh, soon. All right, ciao. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
you looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.